Chapter Thirty Four of the Leopard's Claw by George Washington Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Oliver's Rescue. On the morning of the fourteenth of August, nineteen fourteen, some of the guides reported that some man-eating leopards had seized human prey and were lurking in a neighborhood not far from the camp. The mid-dries had set in, and the day was very bright and tempting. Lord Winslow, the three moving picture men, Dr. Rossman, the two German machinists, and Lord Winslow's valet, made up a hunting party and left on foot, leaving the others in the camp. The hunting party killed a few antelopes and small game on the march, and were reminded that the African notion of time and distance is very vague and uncertain. In the late afternoon they came upon a small town of savages. They decided to remain for the evening and managed to obtain two small bamboo huts for their accommodation. Lord Winslow and Dr. Rossman, a tall, thin, clean-shaven man, happened to have taken two grass hammocks along so they had them tied across the hut side by side from the poles of the roof. The three moving pitcher men occupied the same hut also, and were obliged to secure grass and leaves and whatever they could to make a pallet upon the dirt floor. A number of villagers stood looking on and watching the preparations. One stalwart young black giant wearing only a loincloth stood within the hut which Lord Winslow and the others occupied, and soon became a nuisance as they wished to retire. Lord Winslow motioned for him to leave them placed his right hand upon his right cheek and bent his neck as he tried to express in the African pantomime language that he was sleepy and wished to be alone. The young man misunderstood him, rushed out from the hut to his brothers and relatives, and stated that a white man in the hut had threatened to cut his throat. Quite a commotion was started and a number of Africans rushed in and seized the surprised white men and held them as they waited to be shown the offender. Lord Winslow was pointed out and was carried as far as the door when a wild-looking bearded white man of giant strength, wearing a gold-band bracelet upon his left arm, knocked the black men down and rescued Lord Winslow. He seemed to have a strange influence upon the men, who stole away sheepishly as he glowered in speechless rage upon them. The other men in the party were in arms and outside just in time to see them steal away. A few minutes afterwards the chief sent a goat and white chicken as a peace-offering to Lord Winslow, and the matter was explained. But the identity of the bearded white man was a puzzle they could not solve. The interpreters could only obtain from the villagers that he had come with a caravan a few weeks previously, and was considered and worshipped as a kind of fetish because of his infirmity. They tried to obtain information by signs from the stranger, but he seemed to have been like a child and remembered nothing. The next morning Lord Winslow added the stranger to their party, and both seemed to have developed a strong attachment for each other. After he is barbered and clothed in a decent outfit, I'll bet he will hardly appear to be over thirty-five. The outdoor life certainly has developed his muscles and improved his health. Poor fellow, I would give anything to know his history." "'Some poor family in Europe mourns his loss to-day,' Lord Winslow remarked to Dr. Rossman, who was thoughtfully regarding the subject of discussion. Walking over and examining the man's head, he replied, "'This fellow is suffering from the effects of an accident, either a blow upon the head or a fall. 
an operation will restore his memory and speech perhaps a shock may have the same result well you can rest assured that he will be placed in the hands of the most skilled surgeons of europe i will leave no stone unturned to restore him to his former state lord winslow replied as they neared the camp in the early morning of the seventeenth lord winslow was surprised when jack the colored valet of mr mccormick slipped a note to him as he passed on without an explanation and joined the merry group of huntsmen in the rear opening the note he read suggest to the party that we fly over to ashanti and send away the films and specimens be diplomatic and see me privately on arrival steinhausen bear and camp hands are gone a great war is raging in europe german machinists must suspect nothing wolf will explain to them steinhausen and the others absence satisfactorily mccormick lord winslow's brow contracted and he looked around to see if the party had suspicions of anything unusual but to the satisfaction he noted that jack was acting the part of a well-trained and diplomatic servant he was telling of a hunting party which had visited the camp and persuaded Baron Steinhausen and Herr Bayer to accompany them over to Dahomey. Misters McCormick and Wolfe had drilled Jack well in his part, so expressions of regret at not having been present to join the party came from all sides. Lord Wilson took advantage of the moment and proposed the trip to Ashanti. This was greeted with loud cheers of approval and he lost no time in urging an immediate departure, since the weather and air were both favorable. When they reached the camp, Lord Winslow turned his charge over to his valet, while he sought an interview with Mr. McCormick, a sprightly, middle-aged man with a mustache and about 180 pounds in weight. End of chapter 34